Hi, I'm Jeremy Nicholas. Welcome to Moving Voices, the podcast of the Professional Speaking Association of the UK and Ireland. Coming up this month, how long should speakers spend on social media and does your clout score matter? I'll be talking to NSA speakers from America, Terry Brock and Gina Carr. Richard McCann, one of the busiest motivational speakers in the UK, will be telling us how he does it. And I'll be finding out how former PSA president Derek Arden relaxes between gigs by watching football. But first, let's talk about being the MC at events. Now, it's something that in my view is often done badly. My first forays into speaking were as an MC. As the bloke off the radio, I was often asked to compare events. Nowadays, when I'm keynoting at events, I'm often amazed at how poor the MCs are, making the most basic mistakes and generally making the events look third rate. In my view, PSA speakers should be doing more MCing, and so I've organised a workshop with my top tips from 20 years of introducing corporate events. It's on at the 21st of June at the PSA London Regional Meeting at the Institute of Education in Central London. Full details on the PSA website, thepsa.co.uk. My partner in crime on the day will be Steve Bustin, who, like me, supplements his media and speaking work with a bit of emceeing. Steve's a terrific compare, who, while not being quite as funny as me, is much more likeable because he's not so competitive. I think the phrase, if somebody says, you're a safe pair of hands... I think I always take that as a huge compliment because I think the MC's role is to keep it safe, to keep it tight, keep it rolling, keep everybody engaged, keep the energy going. And actually, I think if, if somebody's not a safe pair of hands, you know very quickly and the audience gets restive. You know, they can tell if the MC's not on top of it, if the MC's not quite sure what's happening next, if there's long pauses. So actually, as your MC, your role is to keep it tight, keep it sharp and sort of keep the audience on side. Yeah, and, and also explain anything to the audience that they're not quite sure what's happening yeah absolutely so you've got to answer their questions before they've even thought of them absolutely yeah that's that's exactly often i do corporate events and they just they just start and you say hang on what sorry who are you yeah you know so i was one of the most when i teach people how to be an mc tell them who you are yeah you know often people start so nice to see so many of you here today and uh, you know i'm sure we all want anything who are, who are you yeah who are you? Well, absolutely who's this bloke that's just walked on yeah and I mean, even in sort of quite serious business events you are to an extent the warm-up man yeah you know okay you're not there, there necessarily to, to warm them up in the way a, a cabaret or comedy compare is hmm. but you are there to get them engaged to get them focused to the front and you are there to lay the way for that first speaker and then the subsequent speakers you know you are not there to be central attention as Compay, you are there to keep the day together, but actually to throw the focus onto the people who matter, who are the speakers and you know, the award winners or whoever it is you, you happen to be dealing with. So what sort of preparation do you do before you MC an event? First thing is I want to get to see the, I want to see the venue. Yeah. I want to get into the venue. I want to get a feel for it. The first thing I'll do is go to the back of the auditorium. Um, just get a feel for what the acoustics like back there. How far from the stage am I? What can I see? What can't I see? Um, and then I just want to immerse myself in who we're going to be talking about, who's coming on stage, what are they going to be doing, and plan it. You really just have to plan it and plan it and plan it. Mm. I also find I quite often end up taking a director's role. Mm. And, you know, you get back to the client and say, OK, if we're going to do these awards, why don't we do it like this? You know, when I've done these before, that works really well. No, I don't think... Yeah, you could do it like that, but might not think about doing it like this and quite often you end up giving stage direction and saying okay you need to walk behind me you need to do that the award needs to be handed from left to right and I often find I work quite closely with the AV or the you know the sound and lighting guys mm. because they've seen it all before as well and the people who are like fish out of water are the client so I think between you and the, and the sound and lighting guys you can normally direct them enough to make sure it looks slick I, I've often had to do things where people will get awarded a bottle of wine you know I do a lot of sales type nice. conferences and the best regional sales director from the Midlands region. And my big tip with bottles of wine is take them out of the cardboard boxes. <laughs> don't have that on, on the display, the cardboard boxes. And take them out and put them on. And don't have the ca in cardboard boxes behind you so that all you see is the MD bending down. You see his backside all the time, <laughs> lifting these things out. Get yeah. them up and nice and easy. And, and, and also work out where they're going to walk on and where they're going to walk off. Yeah, So absolutely. that you're not all colliding with each other. And, 
Yeah. yeah. Who's going to stand where? Rehearse it. Get the MD. Make sure the MD oh. knows where they're standing. And like, I mean, it's just that simple thing of you're going to be handed it from your left. You hand it to the recipient on the right, all that sort of stuff. The other thing is compare is you have to fill that awful gap when your name's been announced yeah. and you're waiting for some poor sod to get out of their seat, walk through the crowd or down the bleachers or whatever and up onto the stage. And as MC, quite often you have to cover that. Yeah. I always think, I would normally try and talk to the sound people and say, can we have some music? When I've announced the name, bump the music up. Something high energy for 10 seconds till they make it to the stage. Absolutely. and Yeah, I always think, get, have a little bit of information about them. You know, that's what Google is for. So that, you know, when the regional sales director you've never heard of comes up, you can just say, yes, he's uh, been with the company five years, joined originally from South Africa. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all there. It's and all everyone thinks, oh, he's very good. He knows them all. Yeah. He knows <laughs> Google. And, uh, and the word that really strikes fear in my heart is raffle. When start, people start saying, oh, we're going to have a raffle, we're going to draw the raffle, and yet that can go so horribly wrong. I find raffles can just suck the energy out of a room. Yeah. You know, because they go on for hours, everybody has to get their tickets out. Oh, it's on pink, is it number two, or is it number one? Yeah. And they just, I find raffles can be horrible. So again, raffles need to be stage managed. Make sure all your prizes are there. Make sure you're just caught pulling numbers fast. You know, when and people have got to make their way to the stage and then pull the next number. And decide in advance, if they... If they're the first one out, does that is that an allocated prize, or do they get to pick from there? Not you yeah. know uh, decide about oh, what what are we doing? Well, I don't know. Why didn't you decide beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, the entire audience, yeah, they've got to pick the prize and they stood there, and the entire audience can get the bottle of wine, the bottle of wine. Yeah. You know, no, absolutely allocated prizes every time. Yeah, auctioneering. Are you? Are you? Do you ever do auctioneering? I've done a couple of auctions. Yeah, they're tricky, they're, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Because you know you have got to. The whole job is to get money out of people. Um, it helps if you've got decent things to auction. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've got celebrity items, that sort of thing, that can be great fun. There's always a story behind them. If the donor's there, you get them to stand up, that sort of stuff. But no, again, they can be deadly. Yeah. Hardest one I ever did was the West Ham United gala dinner at the Grosvenor House Hotel on Park Lane, auctioning memorabilia for the West Ham charity. Unfortunately, the club had been relegated from the Premier League the day before. <laughs> oh! And nobody wanted to put their hand in the pocket because they weren't happy. No, so, I bet. I bet. So that, that was a tough one. Uh, let's think of other things to do with MCing that are tricky. Um, Q&As. Yep. What's, what's your best advice on people who have to do a question and answer session? Your chairing that sort of thing is to line up your questions. You know, make sure that you, you, so you say, OK, we're going to go to the person, you know, blue shirt in the front there, then we're going to go up there to the white shirt at the back so that you hopefully have mic runners who will be yeah. running around doing that sort of thing for you. But always have some questions prepared because you can look out and sort of say, oh, actually, before we come to the next questioners, when, of course, you've got no hands up in the auditorium at all, yeah. you can say, before we go to them, I've got a couple of questions of my own. You've got to have something. And I always like to, to have a few friendly people I'll say if no one asks a question can you ask one yeah. and, and if they say yes I'll say can you tell me what it is <laughs> just so that they you know you know that they've got it yeah. and also when you're doing the, when you've got the person running around with like the Trisha mic I always think okay if there's four people that have got their hands up do it in some kind of an order yeah. so that the mic person goes from there to there to there to there not to the front to the back, back and back right again front. and you see yeah. sometimes see people running with it you think why? Why don't we just plan the route for yeah. the guy? You know, you wouldn't want to go from Brighton to Newcastle to Birmingham to Edinburgh like that. You know, you can work yeah. out the, the north-south route. And again, that's often dead space that you've got to fill. You know, yes. you can't just sit there in silence waiting for that person to reach the other side of the auditorium. You've got to keep. You've got to have something to say to keep talking. Mm. So yeah, chairing I think is 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 tricky. And again, that's the sort of thing you often see MDs trying to do. You know, they'll say, oh, "I'm going to chair the panel," uh, or "I'm going to interview people," and it can go horribly wrong. Yeah. Now, because we're MCs, obviously we think that that is the top job. Absolutely. But for some reason, people in the event industry have got it into the head that keynoting is where the, the big bucks is. Mm -hmm. And I was actually on a conference call um, for an international event uh, that I had been recommended for and they had seen footage of me and were very keen, so arranged a conference call. But unfortunately, the person that had seen me and recommended me had been taken ill, so somebody else was on it. Oh. And so she was saying to me, now, tell me what your keynote speech is all about. And I went, well, I'm, I, I, th I think I'm actually hoping to be the MC of the event. And she went, oh, MCing, that's easy. That's the last thing we think about. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. What? And it is, I mean, it is. People think it's easy. Lots of people say, oh, I can do that. That's fine. Yeah, I'll do that. That's no yeah. problem. But actually, it is something you need to practice. You need to rehearse. Yeah. So we need to redress that, don't we? Mate? We do, absolutely. MCing the top job. And, and what would you say to an organisation that decides to in save a bit of money on the MC and get the chief executive to do it? You're going to get what you pay for. 
Steve Bustin, who's known as the fruit in the suit. When you listen to him, it actually counts as one of your five a day. If you can get along to PSA London on the 21st of June, it would be great to see you. Well, I think there's work out there for speakers who can turn their hand to emceeing. A keynoter is unlikely to be asked to give the same speech to the group the next year, but MCs will get asked back time and time again, so it's, it's worth looking into. You're listening to Moving Voices from the PSA with me, Jeremy Nicholas, and our next voice has moved, just for a short time, over here. Terry Brock from Florida is a highly respected speaker on technology and stuff like that. He advises Skype and people, so he knows what he's doing. OK, he's a geek, but he's a wise and funny geek, and I could listen to him all day because his talks are engaging, full of genuine value, and most of all, they're entertaining. And he's in the UK to learn to speak British proper, like what I do. I say Terry's great on gadgets, but really what he talks about is people. He's great at building relationships. And somehow he talked one of our own into a house swap for his visit. So while he's over here, living it up in the Shire, PSA speaker and president of the Global Speakers Federation, Leslie Everett, has had to slum it in Florida. Now, I know lots of speakers who spend hours on social media gathering followers, making friends and poking people. So what I wanted to know from Terry Brock is how much time should speakers spend on social media? Listeners should be aware that the following interview contains an unusual pronunciation of the word niche. If we lived in the year 1820 and I said, hey, everyone gets together that's going to buy your product at the corner of 4th and Main at this little pub, and that's where you want to be every Thursday night. That's where customers hang out. Today, customers hang out on social media. So as speakers, we need to be where customers are hanging out. Okay, and which, which are the, uh, the best ones to put effort in? Because there's so many different things of social media. We, we could spend our lives doing that. We've got limited amount of time. What, what would you say are the big hitters? Well, first of all, give up sleep, and then you'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> if you knew that, you know, then get but, but no. Seriously, what you've got to do is look at it from a business point of view. Where do people live that are hiring you? Whether you're a speaker or if you're selling uh, uh, dirt from the back of a dump truck, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're where people are. We find that a lot of meeting planners and people who hire are hanging out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and the groups particularly. Find your niche industry. Go to those groups. And I say the same thing with Facebook. People hang out on Facebook who are buying. Now, they don't always come in there saying, hi, we're buying. They're talking about things that are personal to them because that's what Facebook is about. Mm -hmm. But do that. And you still also want a presence on Twitter. I think if you can cover those three, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, predominantly, you'll be good. But don't forget YouTube. We are speakers. You want to create content that is really compelling over on YouTube. Once you do that, then you can talk about it on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, but do it in a way that is showing them compelling information that helps them solve problems, not just tooting your own horn saying how wonderful you are. And you use a lot of technology, don't you? Which I think maybe scares off a lot of speakers. Now, I'm a bit of a geek like you. I'm very similar to you, really. Yeah, we're, we're, exactly. We're, we're both bald. We both started in media. Yeah, that's right. Stuff like that. We're both big Apple men. We both, yep. you know, like all that stuff. Uh, we're both very funny. Uh, but not all speakers have that kind of geeky side that we have. You know, sh so should they get someone else to do that for them, or, well, or I think how they do they cope? To, I think they need to look at technology as not something that's a part of a department or mm. uh, uh, large companies that we work with. Mm. used to be that you would have a technology department or an IT department. Mm. Now everybody's using it. It's so like you don't say only smartphone, smartphones are only used by those in the IT department. No, everybody is. Mm. So you need to learn how to use it. Realize you can't fight technology and win. If you're fighting it, I sure hope my competitors are not using technology, mm. you know, because it really gives us the ability. Find out what you can do and get help from those people. This is why God invited university students, you know, so that you can have them come and show you how to do it. Part mm. with a few coins that you have, have mm. them come and show you how to do it, or somebody who's an expert. Find that help, but find the technology you need from a strategic business point of view. The CEO of the largest companies in the world, CEOs there, are still using technology themselves, personally. Mm but they also have others that do other kinds of technology for them. Develop a strategy, make sure it's oriented toward business and toward your bottom line. And do, do you find it a challenge keeping up to date with all these new things? Not since I gave up sleeping, yeah. but the doctor warns me about that. Yeah. No, because we, you know, we're getting older, aren't we? And, and it's well, some of us are. Yeah, some, not, some you us haven't are. gone to the right websites. Yeah. You, know, you go to these other websites and it's like it starts, it's a Dorian Gray thing. It starts going in yeah. reverse. But you, I mean, usually what I do is I, I kind of 
notice what my peers are doing. I remember having a meeting, you know, six or seven years ago with, uh, I think, Alan Stevens. He said, you've got to get on Twitter. And I said, what's Twitter? And he said, oh, it's 140 characters and it's kind of microblogging. I went, oh, you know what, Al, I do Facebook and LinkedIn. I don't think I'll bother with that one. And then about a year later, he said, are you on Twitter yet? I went, no, that's the same, you know. And then suddenly I thought, okay, I better do it. And I think I actually went on Twitter, I think, probably five and a half years ago or something. Um, and, of course, I'm glad I did. Yes. Uh, but do you... Do you ever hear of new things and you think, oh, I won't bother with that one, and then you suddenly think, oh, I should have done that one? Oh, there's a lot of them out there. There's new things all the time, and there's things that come up and then they go down. Yeah. I find it from a business point of view, I like to be aware of what's going on. Mm. Just be aware of it, but I'm not going to pour a lot of time, money, and effort into it until I start seeing it pass a more critical point. Yeah, because I'm, I'm beginning to regret now the two hours a week I put into my space. And I'm just wondering, should I stop, cut that back? I was thinking of doing that. I was yeah. really thinking, you're, you're breaking my heart now. I thought I was going to. But no, you got to be careful in what you do. Because yeah. the real key for being a speaker, as with anything, is time management. Managing your time properly and putting your efforts into those areas where they need to be. Uh, you need to be on those areas where people are, like we were talking about before. If everyone's going to this pub on Thursday night and you're selling to people that go there, that's where you need to be. Your customers are on social media because the world is there predominantly. You want to be there but the right amount of time and even if you're not doing a whole lot, just listening. Listening and using tools like Hootsuite or others that give you the ability to monitor what's going on. And I kind of monitor what you do. You live in Florida. Oh, well, thank you. you live in Florida. I live mm -hmm. in Southwest London. Uh, but I can, you know, follow what you're doing by, you know, stalking you on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. And I knew you were a stalker all yeah. along. <laughs> and you do all these Google Hangouts and Skype calls, and you know, you, you do loads of videos, so we can see what you're up to. Why have you actually travelled in real life to the UK? Because we get a chance to try some really good brew. You know, you've got some, and it's worth it. You know, hop on that plane and go. But also, I find we learn a lot. And yes, we're working with people here, doing business. So that is good. We're seeing a lot of our mates. And also, I find what really happens, you learn a lot about what's going on from a different perspective when you go to another country. Mm. We, I'm, I'm also working on learning to speak British, you know, instead of speaking only mm. American. As you know, and George Bernard Shaw told us, we're separated by a common language. And you but haven't I'm, started the British lessons yet, have you? I'm working on those, okay, you know. Yeah. I've got, I got the, the, uh, uh, the uh, tapes here and all that mm. going through those. I think they're going to be good. The Pimpers. The master yeah. of technology. Yeah, we're using the, tapes. You know, you put tapes. the cassette in there yeah. and you put on your little headphones and you watch the cassette roll. You know, they've got something better than cassettes now. Yeah, no, I've heard <laughs> that you, you have cassettes in America. We, we have reel to reel which is great reel quality but yeah. sometimes when you're in your car it just jumps when you go over a bump exactly i like ike yes <laughs> yeah and and one of the themes that we have in the psa is collaboration and i work a lot with other speakers um and and one really interesting collaboration that you're doing at the moment is you've swapped houses with a uk speaker yes for indeed. the duration just tell me about that and how that we had a great idea actually it was gina and leslie everett a while back and they said why don't we swap and uh, so they decided let's just swap our homes so they right now Chris and Leslie are in our place in Orlando, Florida, and we are in their place here in uh, England, uh, in Benfield. And so we're getting a chance to learn each other, and it's fun because you go, how do you turn the heat on there? And the heat is done differently, and air conditioning is done differently, and all these things are like, how do they do it here? I don't know. Why do they do it that way? It's interesting. And they're going through the same thing from our point of view. So I'm imagining so, that you go home every evening and you, you're Skyping Leslie in Florida saying, we Leslie, actually, how do I switch the central heating on? She'll go, central heating? It's May. You don't need that on. That's right. We're actually using FaceTime, and we literally are really? where we're saying how do you do this and I had to show them a couple of things and they go where is I go walk into my study over there reach down there on the left you'll see that underneath they reach in and so I think it's a wonderful opportunity I would encourage those listening right now think about getting even more involved with PSA and with the Global Speakers Federation mm -hmm. you meet wonderful people around the world and then it opens up all kinds of options for you where you're able to understand things from their point of view we're over here now for about a month and we're getting a chance to learn a lot we're growing we're understanding things that we wouldn't have otherwise. So I would encourage those of you that are listening, think about getting more involved and getting to know people in different parts of the world and then be able to share and collaborate with them as you do in PSA and we do with the NSA, the National Speakers Association, not the other NSA that's in the U.S. That's the one that does the listening. We do the talking. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the way that you can exchange homes, exchange ideas and collaborate is really about growing and enriching your life. And you just hope that Leslie's not over there trashing your place. Well, that's what we do. That's why we use that FaceTime also. It's <laughs> kind of nice. And they're using, yeah, we want to keep an eye on those Americans, you know. Hey, keep in mind, yours is a small country. We have not bombed lately. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Always great to talk to you. Just before you go, can you give me one thing to look out for You know, in the future that some kind of gadget or some kind of social media or some website or skill that I should know about because you, you always seem to be right at the cutting edge of that stuff. Right now, one that I'm excited about particularly is Google Plus Hangout. The ability for speakers to be able to send out their own broadcast message, to be able to connect with okay. people around I'm the world. To I've done that. Mm -hmm. I've done one of those. You know, it's yeah, quite, it's, and how did it go for you? It went very, very well. Excellent. Yeah, and and um, it was about how to make show reels for speakers. And I, I just did it once as a guest with Claire Boyles and Alan Stevens oh, on yeah. a thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think much more about it. And then I got a call the other day from someone saying, oh, I, I saw your video about making show reels. Can you do me a show reel? And I said, what video? And they went, oh, your Google Hangout. And of course, it, like you say, it's the Google Hangout. It makes it into a YouTube video. Yes. I didn't really think much about that, but that just kind of happened. Okay, I'm not counting that as the one because I know about that. Tell me something else I don't know. Let me know. sidestep that just a bit and say there's a tool called Webinar Jam that I'm using now. Okay, I've not heard of that. And it works with Google Plus Hangouts, but it gives you the ability to set up registrations. I'm doing one with uh, Chris Davidson next Tuesday. We're going to do this, so it'll be after the, this recording comes out, you'll hear it, but we're able to tie in and it gives the registrations. It collects registrations. It also sends out notices to people. It gives them a chat room that is very vivid during the program so that thousands of people can get engaged on that chat room. And then afterwards, it lets you know people that buy your offer get these messages people that don't buy the offer get these messages it keeps track of what's going on from a marketing point of view it's a great tool that I would encourage people to look into called webinar jam so it's kind of like Google Hangouts but with DVD extras yeah exactly and that's what it is it is Google Plus Hangouts but yeah. they have a little clamp on something they oh. bolt on top of it called webinar jam, webinar jam that gives a lot of capabilities and I see that as a really good tool because really what it's about we're communicators we connect with people whether we're speaking writing coaching consulting or doing something else we're going to connect with people find the technology that is going to help people connect with people and you'll do very well brilliant Terry and no matter how good the technology gets don't stop coming to see us because we love to see you here. Oh, well, thank you. Always love coming over, and it's great. Just make sure you keep this good brew over here, and it'll be fine. <laughs> what is this good brew you're on about? What do, what yeah, do you have? I saw them, and they had one. They actually had some at a little pub the other day, and they gave me some. It was amazing. I give them a few little coins, and they give me one of those, and it's marvelous. Terry Brock on Moving Voices with me, Jeremy Nicholas. Now, Terry's business partner and life partner is Gina Carr. Like all American cars, she drives on the wrong side of the road. Gina also left Florida for the Shire to learn British and teach us about Clout, the website which measures your influence on social media. Now, I've been aware of Clout for ages, but I've never registered for it because I thought it would take up too much time. However, when Gina revealed that in America, speaker bookers are hiring or not hiring speakers by checking out their Clout scores, I wondered if it might be more important than I'd thought. Listeners should be aware that the following interview contains an unusual pronunciation of the hyphenated word semi-celebrity. Clout is a service that uh, allows you to judge your own social media effectiveness, your ability to move information across the social web. It, um, it goes from a scale of 0 to 100. Anyone who has a Twitter account automatically has a Clout score. Mm. And so it's a great scale for you to use for yourself to determine how effective you are on social media as well as it's great for um, other businesses to use or decision makers. So for speakers in particular, what we're seeing is uh, book publishers and meeting planners are definitely starting to look at call scores to say, hey, is this person influential? Are they going to be able to market their book? Are they going to be able to market my event? And that's how they're judging. So, it, so I mean, when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, that sounds like quite a lot of effort. But actually, as long as you've got a Twitter account, you've got a clout score. Yes, yes, it automatically comes with the Twitter account. So So I don't need to do anything. I don't need to register for Clout or anything. It's, it's just automatically there. Well, if you're not concerned about your score, you don't need to register. Okay. You automatically have a score. But unless you're really influential on Twitter, yeah. unless you've connected your accounts, you're going to have a very low score. So it, without a lot of whole lot of effort, you just go in and attach your other accounts. You connect your Facebook personal profile. You connect uh, your LinkedIn. You connect mm. your different accounts. That gives you an opportunity to count, to connect a lot of them. It doesn't count, doesn't count all of them right now, mm. but it does let you connect them. The two main ones that count for your clout score are Facebook personal profile and Twitter. Um, but you're right; it, it doesn't take a whole lot of extra effort once you've connected them. 
it's really going to measure how well you're doing with your social media. So you want to mm -hmm. look at it occasionally to say, am I doing better? Am I doing worse? Uh, and so that's where you can work on your score. Okay, and you were saying that um, a good score would be sort of 60s or 70s, and if to go above 80, you've really got to be a celebrity. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, I have never done anything with clout. I haven't connected anything. I don't have a, a clout account or anything like that. I just went on to see what mine was. So this pres presumably will be purely on my Twitter because I don't have anything else connected. 53. Mm. You know, actually for you, if you just let them know that you have a Wikipedia page, it will go up significantly. Okay. It will probably go up into the low 70s, possibly. So Wikipedia would be a big hitter with it. Wik Wikipedia adds generally 10 to 20 points to a, a basic score. And what sort of score should I be aiming for then? You're a semi-celebrity. You should be aiming for uh, high 70s, low 80s. Yeah, semi-celebrity. Oh, if only I was a celebrity. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Based no, on no. what you've told me, it sounds yeah, like no. you're a bit of a celebrity here. No, so. not, not really. <laughs> Maybe you're a real celebrity. Hey, I don't know. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Gina, I'm like all speakers. I talk a good game. You know, I'm half. I'm half as good as I say I am. <laughs> I, I don't. I really don't know. Yeah. Okay. So. So. If I link my wiki page, and then the Twitter's done automatically, so I then need to link my Facebook account, and then various other things. Yes, go ahead and link up everything that, that Clout asks you to, to do, every opportunity they give you. Uh, in particular, this issue of Facebook personal profile versus Facebook page, as, as you just heard in the session, yeah. uh, people are confused by that. The thing is that uh, even if you're using Facebook for business, a Facebook business page does not do as well on Clout Score as a Facebook personal profile. Mm. So I encourage everybody to link up their Facebook personal profile. Okay, yeah. Because you I, can only do one or the other. Yeah, because so, so on Facebook I've got my personal profile and then I've also got um, a page for my radio show and also a group for my radio show. So they, I don't want to link those. It's literally just my personal profile. Yes. Okay, I'm going to do all those things. Listen, it sounds like they've all got finished their food and they're going back in, so we need to go back in because I'm a judge on the next bit. Oh, dear. But, uh, <laughs> Gina, that was fascinating stuff about clout. Thank you very much for sharing it. Just just before we finish, what's it like living with Terry Brock? Because he's like Mr. Technology, Mr. Gadget. I mean... It, oh, it's it's amazing. It's, it's really, uh, you know, the first time I saw him speak, that's how we met. He spoke at a chapter meeting uh, in NSA Georgia. Mm. And I was just so amazed. He knows so much about marketing and technology, which were two of my passions. And, and so I call him the whiz, the wizard. So imagine living with a guy like that who knows all the hottest, latest, greatest things that are coming out. And he's like a little kid in a candy store, you know, learning stuff and sharing. So it's a fabulous, but amazing it must be, experience. It must be tough, though. If you, if you find out about something, you say, oh, Terry, I found this fantastic thing. And he'll go, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're both pretty into it so actually I, and 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 as much as we're we both focus on social media he focuses more on blogging and youtube yeah. and i focus more on facebook twitter linkedin the others and so we kind of you know find different different nuggets that we share and you're both great speakers so is, is, is it a very noisy household or do you have quiet time as well mm, a little <laughs> bit of quiet time not much <laughs> we both talk a lot gina thanks for joining us thank you happy to be here Gina Carr there on Moving Voices. Well, since that interview, I have registered with Clout. I've added my Facebook account to the Twitter account that gets registered automatically. I've linked my Wikipedia page and my LinkedIn account, and that has seen my Clout score leap from 53 to a massive 77, which is not bad for a semi-celebrity. You can check your Clout score out at clout.com. Clout is spelt with a K. I've no idea if it's important, but if people who book us as speakers think it's important, then I guess it's better to be in it. In it. You're listening to Moving Voices, the Professional Speaking Association podcast with me, Jeremy Nicholas. Richard McCann is one of the most prolific speakers in the PSA, often speaking 200 times a year. The springboard for his career was a book he wrote in 2004 called Just a Boy. In it, he tells how his mother was murdered by a serial killer. It became a Sunday Times number one best-selling book and Richard became one of Britain's busiest motivational speakers. What that book's about, and I guess it forms the basis of my talks, is I talk about the tragedy that happened 39 years ago when my mother, Wilma McCann, was killed by Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper. That's, I guess, my 
I mean, the tragedy I overcame, uh, and it's, it always forms the, the start of my talks. And I, and I talk about how I, I overcame that, and of course, how that can be relevant in people's lives. So how have you managed to speak so many times? What What is the secret? When you first started, you were just doing a few a year, weren't you? Yeah, I started in February 2005, and that was through uh, being heard on Radio 4, Women's Hour, publicising the book. And I had no idea about the speaking industry. And as you say, I spoke... In fact, I know how many times I spoke because I've got a comprehensive Excel spreadsheet. I spoke three times in 2005. Uh, Can you you tell us those figures? Well, I can... What what do you mean? Well, roughly, you know, you said three... You said you've got a spreadsheet. I've got a spreadsheet. Have you got it with you? I have got it with you. It'd be really interesting to hear... I don't any of the figures, Jeremy, but I I, I do know that I've spoken 1,603 times. Right. um, As of yesterday... How many? Um, 1,603? I'm not going to get it out. Right, OK. 1,603 times. Yeah. But that includes my presentation skills boot camps. That includes hosting the conferences that I uh, run of my own now. Uh, but, you know, when you put them all together collectively, it's uh, it's, it's quite a lot. And um, I, I, I never knew when I first started how successful I was going to be. But when I saw other successful speakers mm. doing what they did... Uh, I just thought, you know, maybe I could have a bit of, of their success and I, I just model what they did. Mm. So you had a dreadful start to your life. You, you ended up going to prison and, and all sorts of bad things happened. And, you, and all about that in the book. And then at some point you just said, right, that's enough. I'm going to turn my life around. And that's what's led you onto this road to success with the motivational speaking. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was 28, 28 uh, years of age when I went to prison. And I think when I, when I came out of prison... That's when I decided I'm, I'm, there's, there's got to be a better way. I didn't know about speaking back then, but I knew there was a better life for me than taking drugs and uh, and, and going down that path. So I, you know, took, started taking responsibility and, and things were going well. I got promoted in my job and then, as I said, I wrote the book. Mm. I wrote the book because my sister actually stabbed her boyfriend in self-defence and I thought I must do something about this. Wrote the book and, and then the uh, slowly the speaking opportunities began to come in. Uh, but it wasn't until 2000 and. 2000, November 2006 at the, my very first professional speaking association conference in fact I won't say where I met you but no that was the second one mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's the, that's the um, event that changed everything for me because I saw W. Mitchell speak American speaker who's been you know um, maimed in a, in a motorbike accident and also paralysed in a uh, when flying a plane when he crashed a plane I saw him speak and I thought wow this is a guy very successful speaker speaking around the world in some ways, in a similar vein to mine, which was triumph over adversity. And and three days later, four days later, I walked away from university where I was studying as a mature student. And I thought, no, I am going to speak. And I made that commitment. I had to make it work. I was recently married and recently had a, a, a young child, Sky. My daughter was now uh, eight this year. Um, so, I, so I had to make it work. I wasn't. I, I couldn't afford to teeter around here. And, and I, I threw myself into this, this, this speaking arena looking at what it is what other people were doing and what I could do to to find opportunities and, and to become a better speaker. And can you believe how far you've come? Because you started off with those just a few gigs and now you run your I Can Speak boot camps where you teach people speaking. You do I Can, the event where you inspirational, motivational speakers. You're, you're planning a stage show of your life. There's going to be a film of your life, which you're in talks with at the moment. Yeah, Jeremy... Can you believe all that? Not really, no. Um, if I think about how low I felt when I came out of... I mean, forget coming out of prison, which hmm. was in 1997. If I just think about the start that I had, hmm. you could have... Well, yeah, I couldn't even imagine that, if I could, the life that I've, um, I've, I've now got. Hmm. Working for myself, speaking to thousands of people at a time, the film, the play, everything. It's just, it's just an incredible story. Hmm. What... Can, can you... Put, you know, if, if there are speakers listening to this thinking, I'd like a bit of that, what what is, what is, the, I, I know recently you did a webinar, didn't you, on things that you wish you'd known when you first yeah, started speaking. Yeah, it was, what, um, it was a, the, share some of them. The 27 things I wish I'd known 1,500 talks ago. So 27 the, things? The 27, actually somebody somebody wrote, some, one of the PSA associates wrote to me and said actually it was 32, but uh, it was officially 27. Mm. Uh, and there was, there, was two, there was two parts to that. The one was how I became a better speaker. And I'll, and I'll share some of those things in a minute. And, and then the second half of the webinar is uh, the things that have helped me grow my speaker business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that's what that's what is that is what the PSA is about, isn't yeah. it? So it's about speak more, speak, speak better. More, speak, and, yeah. that's, um, and I think for, for, for speaking better is looking at watching the other speakers. 
mm. going to all the regional meetings, going on YouTube, buying the DVDs of other speakers and seeing the masters at work. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that, that noise is just the dog shaking. We, yeah, we asked, uh, uh, hello, Jimmy. Meet, we meet at last. Yeah. So the first, I went out there and I, and I spent hours and hours looking at meeting and spending time just being immersed in the speaking world and seeing what people have read, all the books. Mm. One of the best books I ever read, and it's one of the things that I mentioned on the webinar, is um, uh, Never Be Boring Again by... Uh, Doug Stevenson, mm. where and, and that was one of the most transformational books for me. I can remember reading it whilst I was in London, uh, stopping with some of my wife's uh, friends for Christmas. And um, it was basically bringing your stories or your presentations alive mm. by acting out the scenes. It's the storyboard mm. theatre method. So, Using dialogue rather than narration. Yes. Uh, and, and also not just the dialogue, but also acting out the... Yeah. the movement on stage and uh, getting into character and and i read that and i thought wow yeah that will uh take me to the next level and, and it's what i uh, applied to my talks and it's it's now what i encourage other people to do it's it's so simple and when i see some of the masters at work that's what they do uh, they, they get into character now as far as making building the speaking business once again that was looking at where other speakers in the PSA for example where they were speaking look at some of their clients and say okay so th this is where speakers are speaking right okay I'll need to find some of the, some, those similar organizations are in some cases those same organizations doing googling online where are people searching where, where are the events taking place making contact and also going out there and being seen by as many people as I can being prepared to speak for free, being prepared to speak speak for £75, being prepared to drive down to uh, the south coast of England uh, to speak for nothing, and then the next day drive to North Wales, getting up at 4am, putting in the in the, in the the legwork and, and serving my apprenticeship, really. But I think one of the greatest bits of advice, is, if I would give somebody, is be the best speaker that you can be. Film everything, record it, look at yourself speaking, get people who you trust to give you feedback. Um, and go out there and speak as often as you can. So it's one thing going out and speaking, but if you're a, a not so good speaker, mm. well, that's not going to get you very far. You've got to go out there and be a cracking speaker, and that's by going on the coaching, the, the boot camps. The, I, I, I have spent time with seven uh, speaker coaches over the years. Where I paid for speaker coaches. Mm. I've, I've paid thousands of pounds to invest. Because when I saw W. Mitchell speak from that stage at the Belfry, it was back in November 2006, I knew... There is a speaking industry out there, and I want to be part of that. I want to, one, give me the security that I was never had as a child, but also make a difference in the world um, in a way that maybe I wouldn't be able to make as a, as a, as a social worker, which is what I was studying to be at the time. Mm. And and I was right. Um, I've seen what others do, and I've gone out and done it, and um, and I'm still feels I'm, I'm I'm starting out. And uh, and I'm always seeking to you know striving for excellence and and learning all the time. So when you you say about recording your stuff, would would you literally have a some kind of digital recorder or something, and then in the car on the way back be listening to yourself and thinking, oh, I did that not very well. Yeah, I remember I, I, my first I had a little Olympus audio recorder, which I could um, either re record the talks mm. or record myself in, in in the bedroom, just just mm. uh, giving a talk and. Well, and what you get up to in your own time is your business. Yeah, sure. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, I actually got that one off you, didn't I? <laughs> um, so I would record myself, and but then when I could afford it, I bought myself a, a camcorder, which would put at the back, uh, and 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 look at myself speaking and look at those little uh, ticks or the, those things that were off-putting and uh, I, still, I still do them to some to, to some degree but uh, as I said always seeking to improve and um, looking back at yourself in action is one of the ways to do it and one of the things that you do now as well as speaking is you actually put events on I, I do yeah we have I can the event and I'll tell you where that came from actually that, that came from one being inspired by the PSA events, the conference that we have, mm. the conference that we have, the, all the great speakers. And when I started doing the presentation skills boot camps, because of the nature of my story, yes, I'd get the corporate, the corporate guys and you know the trainers and such like. But sometimes I'd get a lot of people with similar stories to me, mm. and I thought, wow, what if we could create a platform for some of these new speakers with these incredible stories? Uh, to give them experience, to give them video footage, to get testimonials from them. So that's where I can the event came from, uh, back it was over a year ago now. And um, but it's grown since then. We've got other speakers that have not been on my boot camps, and uh, yeah, it's, it's I just love the buzz uh, that takes place in those events and the, and seeing people's well, seeing people um, seeing the, the the I guess the spark in their eyes when they think of an idea that they're going to implement. And and one thing that certainly in the last two years that you've started doing is, is a lot more international speaking. 
Yeah, I've, I've started speaking internationally. I mean, it's a small part of what I do. I'm hoping to do more once this once this film comes out. But I mean, was the, one of the best international engagements was to speak at the Global Speakers Summit in Vancouver mm. uh, to you know, represent the UK almost. It, it was fantastic. And uh, uh, yeah, but I've spoken around for, for, for SEPA and uh, which I know a lot of the PSA members have spoken for. Um, my first international gig, gig was uh, two thousand and nine, and it was to sw it was in Switzerland, and uh, that you know was a great achievement for me. Then there was Malaysia, from the PSA in South Africa and Germany. So yeah, I, I've done a few of those. My wife doesn't like me doing them because of course there's a lot of travelling involved, uh, but I do think going forward that I'll be doing uh, a lot more on the, the the I guess the corporate international stage, especially when this film that's in uh, development at the moment uh, is released. And I think I've, I met you in 2007, I think. It was my first PSA convention, the first time I met you. And, I, I, you know, I've just seen you completely flower into this brilliant speaker who speaks all the time, who has this incredible drive. You know, there's lots of good speakers in the PSA, but they haven't got that motivation that you've got. What gives you that motivation to keep going and keep doing all these new projects? Um I tell you what I think it is. One of my um, values, I've you know, been introduced to the importance of values recently by uh, Joe Simpson, another PSA member. I think one of my um, highest values is security. Um, and I guess having lack as a child, uh, having nothing as a child and, and being you know, insecure and all the rest of it, um, I've always, I mean, in fact, ever since I was a teenager going out and doing jobs and paper rounds, milk rounds and then, then, then working and trying to be promoted and uh, yeah, I've always, and I see speaking as, as a way of, um, of of giving me the security that I want, not just for me, uh, of course, for my children, but also the other thing that's um, important to me is, is making a difference. And I, I'll tell you why I say that. As a young person with no self-esteem and lacking in confidence, I always felt like the underdog. And so I always like to help people that, you know, need helping. And I think as a speaker that we are in a very privileged position where we're speaking to many, many people, sometimes thousands of people, where we can help them in a way that your average person in the street doesn't even get the opportunity. So um, so, there's, so there's lots of things that are important, mean, important to me that are being fulfilled through the work of speaking. And I know the most important thing to you is your family. And you've got the, the ginger massive, the ginger you call massive. them, three brilliant little children all with your trademark ginger hair what do they think about what you do do they do they fully understand what you do for a job but how do they tell their friends at school what daddy does well i'm not sure that they do tell their friends uh what their dad does at uh, at school but i do know that the two eldest uh, sky and alice who are seven and six they're fully aware because they've been they've been to in fact I, in fact Isla as well the youngest has been to a, the very first i can event they all attended in mm. fact the uh, they actually came up on stage uh, but the the great thing is that I asked my son Alice uh, in the last few months what he wants to do when he grows up. He wants to be a motivational speaker, <laughs> and it, honestly, Jeremy, he's, he's even told me some of the things that he's going to show them uh, when he gets older, uh, like him learning to knit when he's five, and I've got a video of him falling off his bike repeatedly when he first takes the stabilizers off. So he's coming up with suggestions already about how he's going to give these presentations in the future. So 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 that's fantastic as well, um, and I'm hoping as they as they get older. Um, well, not as they get older, I'm hoping right now because I'm a motivational speaker. I mean, I don't, I don't just live and speak about positivity and such like a mindset on the stage. It's how I live my life, uh, and it rubs off on my children. And they're, they're very positive kids, uh, and and I'm just hoping that they'll, um, they'll live their lives with that same, uh, you know, urge to kind of make a difference in the world. It doesn't have to be as a motivational speaker. Just being a compassionate to, to those that are out there that are less fortunate than them. And finally, let's just look ahead to the future because I feel like you've you've become one of the UK's busiest speakers. You know, two hundred gigs a year. Yeah, often do that. But I just think this time next year we might be talking. Blimey, you know Richard McCann because it could go massive, couldn't it? If if this film, they're going to do a film of your life. If that gets made, it you know might come out what back end of next year, and suddenly you could be really famous across the world. Um, I'm not going to try and you know get too excited well i am i am i am excited about the film it's hard not to be excited it is when but, someone wants but, to make a film of your life and, until it starts taking shape and still we make the official announcements um i'm, I'm just going to sort of keep it contained but i mean this film is going to start with richard mccann as he is today giving a, a, a talk to a massive audience of thousands of people uh that, that's that's just an incredible thing to, to think of that a film about my life starting like that speaking um despite me always been I mean the, one of my biggest fears was actually speaking 
it's just incredible. I mean, not just speaking, but meeting people. I mean, this conversation that we're having now, we mm. couldn't have had 10, 12 years ago because I would have thought, all these negative things about myself. Because you were in prison. <laughs> I was in prison, yeah. <laughs> that was actually 17 years. When was that? 97. Yeah, yeah 17 years ago. Uh, yeah, so um, let's see what happens. I'm not trying to uh, get carried away with myself, but you, you know what? It, if that film comes out, it, it could be incredible for me and uh, I'll never forget the PSA and how it's helped me. Well, it would be great to have a, a PSA screening. We'll all come up to Leeds and uh, you know have a cinema or something and I'll introduce on stage well, Richard McCann and you just... Tell us the story of your life, and then we see the film. It'd just be great, wouldn't it? Well, Jeremy, we are going to. It's the red carpet thing's going to be up in Leeds at the new arena, but is unfortunately, it? we've got the MC already. So far. you've got the MC sorted already, and you won't want your old mate that's done all those MCs for all those ICANN events. You'll, you'll be getting somebody off the telly. Jeremy, if that was to happen, you know, it would give me great pleasure to have you introducing that film. Thank you very much, and you know what? I'll do it for free. Yeah, thank you. I won't charge Expense, you. Expenses. Richard, thanks for joining us and, and sharing us your thoughts on speaking. Yeah, thank you. Richard McCann on Moving Voices with me, Jeremy Nicholas. I've worked with Richard a lot. I was counting up the other day. I think I've introduced him on stage five times in the last year. Each time his story has me gripped. If you get a chance to see Richard in action, do take it. Well, lastly on Moving Voices this time, how do speakers relax? Well, for Derek Arden, it involves watching football and his beloved Arsenal. The people who sit around him at the Emirates Stadium probably have no idea he's a top speaker on negotiations. They just see another gooner sitting quietly watching his team. Now, I don't support a professional football team myself. I'm a West Ham fan. But I did head to North London to watch an international fixture for Arsenal with Derek to observe him in his natural habitat. Well, we're here at uh, Emirates Stadium, uh, Jeremy, and I used to relax watching Arsenal, but as they've been doing so badly recently, I find it really quite stressful, particularly with the price of the season tickets at Arsenal being the uh, highest in the world. And my wife asks me uh, every time I go, how much am I paying for my season tickets? So uh, it's not really the best way to relax. So I might have to have a re rethink how I do it. So it's half-time at the moment, Arsenal losing 1-0 to Swansea, a team yep. you'd expect to beat. I would. My blood pressure's up, my stress levels are up, and I'm waiting for the text messages to come in from my friends uh, taking the mickey. Yeah. And, and you have the two season tickets here, and so you often bring along uh, fellow speakers or you know, people you want to entertain. You've, you've brought me along, a West Ham fan tonight. You've had Alan Stevens, a Fulham fan. Who, who else have you had here? Well, I've had some interesting clients as well, and I've always found uh, a bit of hospitality, uh, meeting people uh, outside of the work environment, very helpful to uh, making connections, meeting other people and getting business. And I found that very successful actually using the uh, second ticket here at Arsenal since my pal gave up his ticket. So uh, that's been very worthwhile. It's a funny thing and it's a sort of very British thing, isn't it? But you want to do a bit of business, you take someone to the football. Where it, it's a funny place to conduct business because you've got you know, all these people shouting, and you've got all the songs and everything, swearing and stuff. Yeah, I think it's... Um, a customer said to me, a very sort of uh, posh customer said to me about 20 years ago, he said, Derek, you've got to go and stand on the terraces once a year and see uh, what's really going on in the world. And I think that's true. We're surrounded uh, where we're sitting tonight, Jeremy, by some quite interesting people. Yeah. Actually, some people have got some really interesting jobs, but uh, you wouldn't think so from the way they behave and the language they use sometimes. But uh, that's the way it is yeah next uh, there's a lot more corporate types at Arsenal you know people you probably could do business with being a West Ham man myself you know in East London you know it, it's it's uh, boxers and singers and comedians and here I suspect there's a few more lawyers and uh, barristers and things like that yeah there's more suits on a Tuesday night like today yeah. than there is on a on a Saturday which is interesting as well and there's a lot of empty seats because people buy the season ticket for the big matches so that's mean means football's changed bit like speaking really the whole uh, game's changed and uh, that's what uh, people like you and I and the people listening to this need to do we need to uh, keep changing our business model as the as the world changes with social media and in fact the um, amount of time people have got to listen to stuff you know Twitter and all the rest of it and WhatsApp floating for 18 billion pounds last week's another thing and like with football you know maybe uh, Arsenal's manager needs to change at some stage although I'm a big fan of what he's done sometimes your energy and uh, you need to move on and do other things and obviously you've got to think about your voice 
you know, as a professional speaker, you can't be singing and shouting all that, you know, and you're lucky that you're an Arsenal fan and Arsenal fans don't really sing. <laughs> what, the Hybrid Library? That's what they used, used to, be, to call it. It used to be in a li- Hybrid Library, and the Emirates, I don't know what the Emirates is, but it's not, it's not a very noisy ground, is no, it, really? it's still called the Hybrid yeah. Library. And I have to be honest with you, uh, when Arsenal are playing uh, well and it's exciting, I do tend to forget myself when I shout yeah. and I lose my voice very quickly. Yeah. And I've thought at half-time in a couple of games I've got a, I'm speaking tomorrow and I can't speak. Luckily the voice has come back each time but I now try and uh, promise myself not to shout or, uh, or... So it's good news for you at the moment, Arsenal playing so badly <laughs> that your voice is in prime form it's, for all those speaking engagements. I'm very sad to say that's absolutely true. Uh, now we yeah. know you're a master of negotiating. Are you a master of predicting the future? It's it's half time. Arsenal losing one 0 to Swansea. What's your prediction for the second half? Well, my optim I'm, I'm an optimist. I've got to be an optimist, otherwise I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't watch uh, football. My prediction is three one to Arsenal. But the way they're playing at the moment, they have to change a few things. Uh, so I'll be interested in the negotiations in the changing room and how the various uh, leaders or sub-leaders or whatever you want to call them are going to swing it. And I'm also interested how the uh, coach, Arsene Wenger, what he will say, because they're playing very badly and they're they're still reeling from the 6-0 defeat by Chelsea, as far as I can see, and that sort of energy is uh, carried through into the game. We've got some great motivational speakers in the PSA. Um, uh, Who do you think would be good in that dressing room now to fire up this Arsenal team? To, to beat you know a pretty poor Swansea outfit you know who, who would who would you tip to well, get well I was thinking Chris Akabusi or Steve Head actually they were the two that came yeah. straight to mind it probably needs a bit of ranting and screaming I think yeah. you need both of them the way, <laughs> way Arsenal are playing both at the same time yeah. do you think and me and you as well I think don't you what about Arsene Wenger? Is he a good motivator? Because he's, he seems like a very quiet man. To me. I think he's got a very different style to Fergie. He's almost got the opposite style, you know. And I sort of don't think he throws his toys out the pram very often. Uh, I think maybe maybe he should a bit more. We haven't seen him on the touchline at all today. I mean, sometimes he's on the touchline, sometimes he isn't. They say that he doesn't say very much in the changing room until the last two or three minutes before they go out. Yeah. Let's the players sort it out. It's a model he's used for uh, 20 years. So must work but there's a time when I don't know maybe you need renewing we need a change in life we need a change in scenery so um, it's very interesting when that comes yeah well let's let's retake our seats and enjoy the second half um, because that was a very exciting first half 3-1 I said didn't I 3-1 we'll see <laughs> well we'll see what happens later well the second half was so exciting a few Arsenal supporters actually dropped their Kindles and it finished 2 all. But just a few weeks later, to Derek's delight, Arsenal won the FA Cup to end a nine-year drought without a trophy. By contrast, my team, West Ham United, last won a trophy in the year that I left home for university. I'm now 51. Well, that's it for another Moving Voices. Thanks to my guests Steve Bustin, Terry Brock, Gina Carr, Richard McCann and Derek Arden. I hope to see you at the PSA London meeting on the 21st of June. There's PSA meetings across the whole country in June. Full details of all those regional meetings at thepsa.co.uk. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit my website, jeremynicholas.co.uk, to listen to my radio show and also check out the show reel that my dog made for me. See you next time.